the Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC 254 Breakdown. Picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night It's a dark night Dark night It's a dark night What is up, my friends? This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Tom. Analyst is work you can find over at MMA Junkie as well as LineMovement.com. But on this year' program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA. That's what we're going to do here today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this. Hopefully it's before the fight, recording this Thursday night, 10 p.m. West Coast Pacific Time. Just a bit before the weigh-ins are about to start off officially. Got my dude over there, MMA Junkie John. Got the coverage over at MMAJunkie.com for that. So that also technically makes it a Friday show because, yes, the fights are going on. UFC 254 over in the UAE, Abu Dhabi. Um, Yaz Island. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a daytime, uh, primetime show for us. Primetime for them or daytime for us, I should say, on Saturday. So I'll be up extra early with my man Aaron. Hopefully I won't forget, as I tend to do, as I... So burnt out by the end of the week, says I. You, you folks could probably tell, especially lately this week. <laughs> I think it's like I think it's only seventeen cards straight, which is a record for me at least. Um, but I think it's like twenty six or twenty seven cards in a twenty eight week or twenty nine week span. So yeah, feeling it. Um, but I'm not trying to complain. Uh, but you know, a little break, a little moderation is good, and. Uh, your boy has not been getting that. So this podcast actually almost didn't happen. So um, I'm going to give you guys what I got, uh, the energy I got. We're going we're gonna to try to blow through it. Uh, I dare say it may be expedited. You can check the timestamps. Uh, speaking of the timestamps, as per usual, I will provide them for these breakdown shows in the Protecting Neck podcast. Always check the timestamps whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for the five-star ratings and review. I actually got a five-star rating come in. It was like the first in like a month, which is... Great, <laughs> but thank you. Uh, or, uh, you know, check the uh, timestamps in the show notes. If you're listening on YouTube, give it a old like and subscribe to the channel, Daniel Tom MMA. Uh, I really want to put it out of its misery. Um, it is, that thing is slugging along like 200-something subscribers still. It's it's pretty damn sad when everyone and their mother has like 1K. I'm like, Jesus Christ. It's pretty damn pathetic, but uh, I'm still working my ass off and putting stuff out for you guys regardless. And... Even as burnt as I am, I am booking and doing double work behind the scene to get some top five shows done. I already got one in the bank, top five thick fighters. I haven't forgot about that. If you saw that posting, don't worry. And uh, we'll have another one there with uh, a man who I've uh, always been promising to get on this podcast. We're in the process of booking Phil McKenzie from Heavy Hands. So I'm going to have all the top fives along with interviews, along with the recap shows, along with the breakdown shows, and all the other things I do for you. Um, I want to get back into some video editing and dust that off, but you know, when the fuck am I going to have time? I don't take any days off, which is uh, part of the problem. So uh, before we get to uh, the breakdown, I'm going to recap UFC on ESPN 38. Um, went seven and four overall in picks, one and one in straight plays, zero and one in props, 
and didn't take any Palais shots, which will be like the opposite, spoiler alert, um, for this week. So let's go to those results quickly. Uh, Brian Ortega at the top defeated Chan Sung Jung. I mean, he just went 28 days later and conquered the zombie. Um, and yeah, man, it was hard to see that coming. Uh, so that sucked as a zombie fan. Sucked if you you played a bet on on zombie. I, I did not super big, but I did. But I did, yeah. Uh, but man, you know Ortega. That's maybe the second best performance of the pandemic, next to Gaethje Ferguson. As far as like a fighter just showing a new fold. I mean, it wasn't even a new fold. You know, this was like a new fighter. Uh, you know, primarily fighting southpaw, which was interesting because like I. I I had a suspicion watching how he was grabbing his guillotines. I noticed that like, both of his latest guillotine finishes were from the left side. And the way he throws, he almost seems like he's left-hand dominant. Now, I'm good radar uh, spotting a right-hand dominant southpaws because that's me. But a left-hand dominant orthodox. And that's something I didn't touch on in the breakdown, and I kind of wish I did. Probably would have been the one saving grace of analysis to make me look like a smart kid. Um, but yeah, uh, there are some legs to that left-hand dominance because uh, he really looked great out of the southpaw stance. So good on Brian Ortega. Um, it definitely makes an interesting matchup for Volkanovski, and I can see why people would want that, although it just something feels wrong about re-rushing this kid right back into the title shot. So we'll see. Jessica Andrade beat Caitlin chuk 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 chukagian I don't know why I started there. Um, yeah, body shot to the body. Uh, <clears throat> Y'all had a Jimmy fucking group. Uh, made that look easy uh, as far as a parlay piece. But like I said, even if that did happen, don't don't uh, write off Modestus Bukakis. Uh, let's see what he can do uh, in the future. I think this was just a tough draw. Uh, Jimmy Crute better than given credit for, although the odds start to reflect that, so I don't know if I can say that now. James Krause defeated Claudio uh, Silva. New level. Uh, no new level this time, Claudio. No new level. Me, Hannibal. Yes, you Hannibal. You lose too. No, yes. Uh, <laughs> good on James Krause. It was pretty goddamn masterful, especially considering he had an effed up knee. Um, and just puts on a clinic, man. And uh, Silva always looks like he's like <laughs> gassed and stuff, and and that's kind of how he always fights. But yeah, just the thing was he couldn't get the grappling going, and that was the problem. Footwork and the positioning was too good from Kraus. So props to Kraus, man. Great performance. Was right on the Jonathan Martinez fight. Got that that Southpaw underdog cash at least uh, defeated Tomas Almeida. And again, I'm a fan of Tomas Almeida, and you know a bunch of people I respect were on Almeida. And even though I, I predicted Martinez to win, um, and uh, you know he could have won even more brutally with what I was thinking. That being said, what we did see from Almeida, man, that's kind of bummer because he's just like, is he, oh, I hope he's not like, I hope that was just ring rust of all ring rust, and we don't have like a pre-shot kid or something like that. So. We'll see, man. I'm, I'm still want to hope for the best for Almeida, but but definitely props to Martinez, obviously Pedro Martinez, and thanks to all who gave me uh, props to that. I just hope you were able to cash, really. Guram Kutateladze, Dad, he's not Italian, but you're gonna stick to it, aren't you? Defeated Mateus Gamrot. Um, Gamrot. 
It's in a sexy match up he is there. Dan, don't do the KSW commentator. Um, yeah, I don't have a problem with this. It was a fun fight. And um, I think it was Zane Simon. I will give uh, shouts to you said that, like, using the Will Brooks example and these guys that come over from champions from other organizations, they t- and they turn into five-round fighters too early, and now they're back in the competitive, deceptively competitive UFC fights for three rounds. And you kind of saw that play out with the late turn on. And again, Kudalate did some really good stuff to earn the round. So it was not for nothing, obviously. But yeah, I think there was a lot of legs to what uh, Zane said. Also, shouts to Danny Martin, by the way. One of the, not just for you picking Ortega, but like he actually made a good case for it. And you got to recognize analysis. Anyone can make picks. And believe it or not, anyone can place a bet, ladies and gentlemen. But, uh, you know, the analysis presses your boy. So I got to give a. Give a shout-out to Danny Martin of the Fight Site for that one. Uh, Jillian Robertson? <laughs> Jillian Robertson? Uh, defeated Pollyanna Botelio. Um, yeah, decision, you know. Thought she was going to get the sub. Missed on that prop, but hey, man. Good on Jillian Robertson to have a mature performance. It was a good performance uh, for her as a fighter. Jung Young Park uh, dusted off the takedown part of the game that he's shown before, and uh, aptly so against John Phillips. Uh, you know, frustrated and watch for Phillips, but uh, yeah, congrats, congrats if he piled onto the park. Um, I think I had him in a parlay. Fair ZM defeated Jamie Malarkey. Uh, good on ZM. I, I didn't watch the fight. Apparently, like some people were upset with the scorecard. Um, I was just kind of kitchen sink watching it and thought Malarkey won like others, so that's why I was just curious what the opinion was. But I did not bet, nor did I care about the result. Uh, Maxim Grishin defeated Gazimara. Look at his thighs. Uh, Joe Rogan there. Uh, yeah, again, it's just more just fading. Dancy Golov, he just stops fighting. Seidner Maga Madoff is Max Striegel. He's not German, Dan. You know, but neither is Dreykus. But that doesn't uh, stop. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Shouts to Kareem Zidane, by the way, for that article. It was really informative about that South Africa history and the farmer stuff, but... God damn it. It's not, I, mean, I wasn't trying to get political or anything like that or, or, or shit on the guy. Pile on. Um, to do police, by the way. I just shared that article because the listeners of this podcast know this was another Donnie Aaron for Dan Tom where he randomly says something inappropriate, calling someone a racist. And sure enough, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying... Right, let me just pull up and let the guy... I'll let the guy speak for himself. How about that, Dan? Jesus Christ, are you digging yourself a hole? It's late night Dan Tom, guys. It's late night Dan Tom. But the thing is, when Dan Tom gets inappropriate, the worst part is, is, is it ends up being true, I guess, was the point of that. And we'll just, we'll let history play out for itself. It definitely doesn't need any narrative from Dan Tom here. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. So that was that card. How did we do on time? Wow, Dan, 11 minutes. All right, at least you're not that bad there. Let's get over to UFC 254 after some brief message from our sponsors. Funball, still legal in five states. Just kidding, this... Podcast doesn't have sponsors. Although I did receive some positive encouragement on that. I'm just I'm terrible. I still haven't even put together analytics for that thing. Like, I don't know how many of y'all listen, to be honest. Like, so I probably need that information to go to a sponsor. This is what you're listening to. This is the helm of this show, folks. Explains a lot why things haven't gotten done. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I should not be surprised why my numbers suck, but thank you for being here. We will break down UFC 254. do want to give a couple brief shouts uh, to the Verbal Tapcast, at Verbal Tapcast. That's another thing, like, I, I don't want to complain too much uh, because, like, one, you know, there's just the whole someone always has it worse, and that's for damn sure, sure, true. I don't want to disrespect that. 
you know, so many people don't aren't working. You know, uh, I I'm, I'm grateful to be working. I'm grateful for the opportunities I get. So, like for those reasons alone, I feel awful. Even complaining, even though you know, not even this year. I mean, really, for the past five years, I haven't really taken meaningful breaks that don't involve either work, or funerals, um, or one time a wedding. That was about it. Um, so you know, uh, I don't get the normal downtime at night, day, days off, da, 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 so I, I tend to like you know, get a little cranky from time to time. So I apologize for that because like, and it sucks now because like, I'm not only. Do I get invites, which by the way, all invites are just amazing because, and I appreciate it because like someone wants to speak to me. Why the fuck would someone want to speak to me first of all? So like, thank you guys. Uh, that's a huge compliment and I want to honor that. Um, so don't be discouraged if you hear me being all burnt out. Like I appreciate the invites and I'll write them down if I can't commit to them to, to make them work in the future if I can't, right? Um, but now I'm also getting invites by podcasts that have been around for a minute, like the Verbal Tabcast, which you should follow at Verbal Tabcast, subscribe to their channel. Um, Raf and Kevin do an amazing job. And I'm like, why do these guys, these guys are, are, are funny and awesome. Like, why, why, why an OGs, like, why, why the heck do they want to talk to me? But they did, and they had me back, um, uh, to, to go against, uh, Keith Krikori and 10th Planet Black Belt. Um, and, uh, they, Raf pitted us together because we're essentially both really Nice guys, although you probably wouldn't know from listening to this podcast, or at least my cranky ass right now. I apologize. But Keith was certainly a very nice guy. I totally see him being a dude I'd be friends with. And we made a uh, extensive food bet on picks. Um, so go check that out. Uh, I always love to do the, I, I always love to do their uh, podcast, and I think I'm going to recap to it so we can own up to see who who won. But yeah, so I, please don't take my complaints too seriously. Um, Especially because, like, it's it's an honor to even be um, asked to come on these shows and whatnot. So, uh, also want you know wanted to give a shout out. Uh, well, Loma Lopez fight was just great, and thank you guys uh, for not getting too mad at me for canceling after party edition. Not that you know <laughs> I pull such massive numbers, but you know those of you who show up. Um, but I wanted to watch Loma Lopez. I'm glad I did before I ruin it with any of my takes. Um, shout out to my man, Philippe, French Philippe. I don't know if that's like offensive or not. I'm sorry. You know that I, I love you, Philippe. Uh, how about let's give him the proper uh, shout down at ASAP dash Pipa P I P A, uh, on, uh, Twitter. Of course he is a, one of the interviewers, writers, and just all around best dudes around Twitter and on, uh, on a little site called the fight, uh, fight site.com with fight dash site. Uh, dot com there go follow them check them out and he does great uh he was actually one of the few called uh tomofimo lopez getting the upset but then also does a good job breaking it down and he seems like such a nice guy you know he's not even like he's not even taking the victory lap like he could you know and uh instead he's just really basking in the analysis and pure science of it all and you know your boy here is a is a is a fan of that so go check out his work and give him a follow um also on my uh, dessert list uh, that I got to get to you is Ed Gallo, who wrote about my dude Michael Chandler. So you know I'm going to check that out. Wrestling, Michael Chandler, Ed Gallo. Um, that's check boxes for me. It doesn't matter if it's on a competitive site uh, over on Bloody Elbow. And he was on the Heavy Hands, which again, <clears throat> I'm going to try to get you uh, some more top fives coming your guys' way, including one with uh, Phil McKenzie. Um and amongst those, don't think I didn't forget about you, Aiden, at AidenH25, he, uh, over at the fight site. Um, 
one of the young, uh, one of the, another one of the young bright uh, analyst minds over there uh, wrote a great uh, Khabib article on, on wrestling. He tried to tackle an aspect that I haven't seen written about as much focused on. Most of it's like mat wrestling and stuff, right? Uh, um, so I wanted to check it out, Aiden. Don't think I didn't see it, but again, with analysis, I respect if it is uh, within what I have to cover. Uh, I'm probably not going to read it, especially before I do my stuff. So I had to actively avoid it. So take it as a compliment, but in return, I want to make sure and plug it so that uh, everyone else gets around to it now that we're rounding out the week and gives gives you a follow. All right, enough shouts there, folks. Um, although there will be one in the first fight we break down between Khabib and Magomedov, who is now sitting at minus 310. Uh... Or is Justin Gaethje the comeback? Plus 255. Yeah, man. Um, so I broke this debt fight down uh, as per usual. Check out the in-depth over at MMAJunkie.com for whatever I miss. I didn't write an in-depth for the co-main, but a co-main should be dropping any time now for a video as far as Cannoneer Whitaker, which I'll talk about here shortly Therefore, And, of course, for all those top two matches, I do cover betting angles for all the co-main and co-main events in my weekly betting sheets over at Line Movement, as well as a parlay, which I'm going to cover more in depth with you guys here, but I do give it there. And, uh, of course, the Line Movement MMA betting show with me and Dan Levy, who we brought on Eric Nixick, Extreme Couture Coach, who I've been overdue to get on my show, but I'm a terrible friend and podcaster. Um, surprise, surprise, right? Uh, and I have, and so sure enough, Eric ends up on uh, my new platform than my established, long established one, right? Either way, the stuff at Line Movement, if you haven't been looking at the video quality and the, what the production that does there, it is freaking insane. I'm not going to shout on, on, on anyone else. Because uh, we're all friends, and but just you know, and we all have connections somehow through work. But man, just go look at the quality from my movement and other channels, and get back to me. All right, seriously, you can hate my guts, you can hate us. But go look at that damn quality, of that damn channel. Anyways, we had Eric Nixick on there, and speaking of quality, he brought really, really interesting insights that I will try to remember as we go along. Should they come up? So please check it there. It's another digestible show, um, just under an hour, like this one aims to be, and hopefully will be. Knock on wood. Uh, and then also give, you know, Eric a follow at Eric uh, underscore XCMMA. I believe off the shop of Mejid. Um, I believe we were all on the same side with Nirmaga Madoff as our pick, but we both were rooting for with our hats, but also expressing legitimately why there was value on Gaethje. This is, you know, painting with broad brushes here, dog or pass. I mean, you really got to be confident and a fan, in my opinion, to be wanting to lay north of three to one chalk. I know it's Khabib, but this is uh, his is you know hyperbole aside, it is his most dangerous matchup. Um, and uh, you know, now we're ta- a lot of talk about the Sambo wrestling or the the Khabib's wrestling, Dagestan wrestling versus uh, folk style, and it's really weird. Kind of like again, um, another good reason to follow your boy, and especially the work I put out over at uh, MMA Junkie, is that uh, you do... I broke down the wrestling, and, and I kind of set off the bat in that article. I, I didn't get too deep into Khabib's because you can't stereotype Khabib's. I mean, you could stereotype the freestyle versus folk style, which I've talked about before, and I believe I do mention in that article, as far as the difference for points control, uh, you know, you know, um, and, and, and scoring is part of what's supposed to 
the reversal scrambles and different rule sets that you're dealing with folk style that translate more to the mat wrestling and MMA metas, if you will. Um, but Khabib's, it's, I, I don't, I mean, do any of us know what Dagestan wrestling is? And again, you know, it's weird because like, I, I think I left out like the exact names and I probably have in my notes somewhere here, but rest in peace, you know, Abdullah the Manapner Magomedov, he, um, was a freestyle wrestler, master of sports back when Russia was called the old USSR. But while in the military, he trained with, um, he, he, he trained Sambo in the military and branched out and uh, a really renowned uh, Sambo stylist um, and or I should say judo stylist outside of the military. I mean, I mean, so there's ju- uh, judo, Sambo and freestyle wrestling mixed in there. Um, obviously, Sambo is more like, you know, judo with a, G, a gi jacket. You've got the joint lock submissions like the arm bars, the leg locks. Etc. Combat Sambo will be involved with punches, which Nurmagomedov went into himself. I don't believe Combat Sambo. If it was, it was strictly for the military, I believe, when when Abdul Manap was was active with the Sambo. But uh, uh, Sambo, at least the sport version, as as we see and are familiar with, not as old as at least I originally suspected. I don't know about you guys. I'm not going to speak for you. Uh, especially my ignorant ass, but yeah. Uh, so really interesting stuff there, right? So this, it, it, the point is it's just this crazy amalgamation. You just got to look at what Habib does on paper. And um, essentially is is wrestling is much better than people give credit for. However, uh, you know, like I've been saying for, for a while, he's okay with failing on his first attempt so long as he can get you to the fence. Now, my man over there, Benny Abs, is pulling his hair out going, he doesn't need the fence. Shout out to Benny Abs, by the way, and uh, his podcast. That was the, the shout I wanted to give. Fix Fights Podcast. Go give them a subscribe and follow. Benny's a good dude. And um, perhaps I missed it, though. Uh, I did listen to this episode. I just, I think I was preoccupied doing something. So maybe I missed where he goes into detail. But, like, I do agree, like, okay, he could chain in the open as well. It's not that he can't get takedowns in the open. Um Offhand, as far as the relevant and recent ones go, um, I believe one of the earlier ones he got on Connor was in the open. Correct me if I'm wrong. You know, Connor gave him a lot to chain from because he was, you know, to his Connor's credit, which I get people don't want to give it to him, I guess, but like he's Connor's a good grappler and a good counter wrestler, folks. Um, you know, he showed some really good stuff there and he made Khabib chain. So, yeah. And then Khabib eventually, what did he do? He got him down. Yes. Now they're arguing. Did he. At least Connor still is. He didn't do that much damage in the first. I don't give a crap. Point is, he got him down right. Uh, so uh, I totally get that he can. Um, so I would love to hear more uh, Benny Abs's thoughts on that because uh, I respect his opinion. But uh, I guess I would say I would still say that uh, whatever evidence you can bring to the table for that, I would still argue that at the end of the day, there's more evidence that he gets his game going. Um, especially the rounds where he finishes, gets his finishes in. It's from the fence uh, for one. And for two, now putting his sample part of the sample size aside and pairing it, because MMA is about matchups, right? It's about who you're paired up with. That's kind of where the relevance comes. It's where the double-edged sword comes, right? Pair it with a guy like Gaethje, and I believe that Gaethje is much better in the open. Uh, because his hips are hardwired to hit the floor. 
Um, now when he's forced to sprawl against the fence, he can still circle and skirt out. We saw some of that in the Firmino fight, right? Uh, unfortunately, you know, why are you referencing the fight again? That's, you know, four years old, Dan. Well, I'm sorry, folks. Gaethje hasn't fought a lot of um, guys around 5'9 who are durable, determined, uh, highly credentialed grapplers <laughs> who push that game plan. So it, it's, a, it's a good matchup. And um, in Gaethje supporters, that was one of the few times where he does show the Granby role. Now, whether you go to his collegiate footage, what's available to his wrestling footage, typically he... When someone gets in on his hips, takes him down, or anywhere in between the mat return zone, he he's tripoding. Uh, he's always using the left underhook and looking to separate with his right hand. But as I say, my breakdown not only is that you know the tripod mat returns, um, back takes. People want to argue Khabib's back control, and I think it's pretty dang good, man. I think it's pretty uh, pretty dang good. Um, you know, you can argue that, yeah, it, it, his overall game is attritive, and do they usually get him to an attritive spot before the finish sinks in? Okay, sure. But, like, as far as control goes, he's not losing control that uh, that uh, that much, and he's not really taking any uh, that that big of chances, you know? He's fairly high percentage. A surprise, surprise. He's high percentage grappler, I know. Blowing you guys away, perhaps, with some of this. Um, but, uh... Not only that, but even let's say, you know, he's able to tripod, overhook, turn in, separate. Let's say he gets through all those steps without Khabib stifling him along any of those ways, all right? I still don't like that the inherent side that he, and it's a good overhook, it's a hoisting overhook accompanied with the hips and grips, right? I'm not saying, folks, I just feel like it's going to be a race to get out of Dodge where he's still going to ultimately have to either, you know, sprawl or belly down again and just kind of circle out and keyly separate like he was able to do with parts of the Firmino fight early on, especially, right? Um, because not only does Khabib predicate most of his game off of an underhook or a lower extremity, which I feel like those lower extremities, as in easy folks, uh, I mean their legs, uh, I feel like those will be harder to grab. You know, those low singles and whatnot. We've seen him work before. He's got a, a tight grip, but, you know, we've also seen the same guys uh, defend him. Even later into the fight. Yeah, like Quintus of the World, etc. right? Um, I would expect no less from Gaethje unless he's tired, which is part of the reason why I'm picking Khabib, because I think he can get him there. Playing the long game, right? I think the first layer defense is going to hold up well, but the longer it goes, it gets him tired. I'm jumping ahead. Back to the point, though, about the, um, about the underhook. Is that uh, underhook or lower extremity, right? Is that Gaethje always does the overhook on the left side, which means what underhook does that give? The right underhook. Again, it's going to be a, a race at that point. Even if he beats the tripod, he turns in, separates the grip, he's still at a race. It's, it's, you're still racing at that point, okay? And conceding, what is being conceded toward down the stretch of those position, uh, the positional run, through that I just gave is the underhook against the last guy you want to give. And I noticed that Khabib always looks for gets and or does his best work finishing from, that's right, folks, the right underhook. So any defensive standpoint, 
Gaethje is going to inherently be giving that underhook. Now, hopefully, his hips are already doing most of the work where it's kind of null and void, right? And he gets a clean sprawl out of the factor. Hopefully, after that clean sprawl, he can circle and separate. And I think he will do that, folks, in fact, for the first few. But just like the way um, Khabib striking overachieves and, and shouldn't be good as it looks because of as credit to Coach Eric Nixick who really put it in the simplest but best terms because I, I, I really was missing it myself if I'm being honest. Not that I, I disagree. I totally get it. It was right there for the taking. But uh, Nixick put it beautifully, man. And he was just like, it's that level-changing threat, man. And that's, and that's true, and that's why he's able to knock down guys like Conor McGregor, which is also why people perhaps overblow the knockdown, even though they're using it in good faith to defend what is underrated striking. And again, it is underrated striking, but it's underrated to Coach's point, the level-changing threat. And that level-changing threat is a two-way street, right? A.K.A. Fighting 101. Cain Velasquez, Cormier... Um, Fitch before him, before them, uh, you can go high and then go low subsequently too. And just having that looming takedown threat as a simmer already makes for a different fight, even when he's not shooting because the threat is there. He didn't have to worry about it with Michael Johnson, even though Michael Johnson actually scored a takedown on him. Um, he didn't have to worry about it as much with Eddie, although Eddie has shown to wrestle in later parts of his career and took him down in that fight, technically. But you get the point. It, it wasn't a, a major facet of the game. So, uh, yeah, man. So for those reasons, I ended up picking you know Nirmaga Madoff. That, and let's be honest, I, I lost all privileges to pick Gaethje, but let me give you folks before we move on here, and then I'll push the, the rest of this card much faster, how Gaethje can win. Um and I do detail this part in the breakdown, too, is that Khabib does kind of get overly faithful in his jab sometimes. And sometimes he'll uh, step back, which I imagine he'll do here. If, you know, Gaethje was able to get Ferguson to be the one stepping back, he will get Khabib, who has retreated space and conceded space since the beginning of his UFC career. Uh, but now he'll do it behind a more craftier jab, a pulling jab. Problem is he pulls a hand down to his hips and retracts it low. And Gaethje is like a Korean zombie, like hard wide, wired to counter early now, but does so specifically, one of which is best tools, which is inside parry right hand, which if you've got a jab that you're leaning on a little too much and retracting a little too low, you're asking to get hit by it. Secondly, again, aka 101, but in the negative, Khabib, like Cormier, also has a propensity to slip heavily, much heavier to his power side than he does to the outside uh, to the outside, right? Uh, therefore, things from the left side, whether they're shifting from the southpaw, uh, which Gaethje will do, or just left hooks in general, which is Gaethje's underrated shot, especially when he throws away the right hand, hits him with a left hook. That shot could be there, or as uh, Nick Sick aptly named from through the Ludwig system, of course gets it from Dwayne himself, the Barrow, where uh, Gaethje will throw the cross like i was saying eric it's like we've been waiting for like 10 years for guys to start finally rolling under their crosses and now like we made this hyper jump where now not only guys are doing it but they're stepping through rolling through and setting up that left hand what tj knocked out Burrell with gaichi hits that all the time we saw al tagner mega made off with both inside parries and the kind of Burrell combo but um 
one, we're comparing Al with Gaethje, which I'm not, it's not a knock on Al. I'm just saying Al wasn't prepared to take that fight, wasn't supposed to be in that fight. And it wasn't supposed to be in a round four where he landed both the things I just cited. So I don't know how much gusto was on those shots. So let's see what Gaethje can do with him, right? So if he does win, I do think it's going to be by those shots. Um, but I'm going to go with Nurmagomedov. Um, yeah, fourth round submission, uh, which you can get plus money on if you're feeling that. But I do think it's dog or pass. Check out linemoving.com for my betting articles on that. And the next one, which is dead even. Robert Whitaker, minus 110. Jared Cannonier, minus 110. Yeah, baby, crystal time. And conspiracy, disturbing conspiracy theory. All right, Dan, don't get into it. Jesus Christ. How about that, though, huh? That was, like, speaking of, I think it was a Kareem article as well, like, speaking of disturbing stuff, man, Jesus. No chill for Cannonier. Cannonpants. Um, Cannonier actually opened as the favorite, surprises some over the former champ, uh, which I get. I, I get if you're playing Cannon here or you're picking him, right? Like, I, I get it. He could, you could certainly catch Whitaker with a hook. Off the break, coming in, right? Crashing. Uh, he's going when it's go time, and that's something he's shown to have no problem doing since he's moved down to middleweight. However, if it bleeds, we can kill it. And Cannon here has been stopped. Um, you know, guys with good left hands, whether it's from the orthodox stance, like young Blachowicz, or Dominic Reyes off the counter from Southpaw. Uh, those left hands have been troublesome to Cannoneer. Uh, although I believe it was a, might have been a, a right hook from Sean Jordan that put him out at heavyweight. Heavyweight. Uh, however, Cannoneer's been, I don't know if he is a process per se, because the sample size is a bit skewed, right? They've been fast fights, he's been looking great, but. You know, we know where the David Branch trajectory was, and we could see that he could fall apart in fights. Uh, Anderson Silva can literally just fall apart <laughs> at any given time now at his point of his career. Um, I'm not trying to take anything away from leg kicks or him. It's no coincidence that, you know, he does good when he moves to the MMA lab, who is uh, renowned for its leg kicking abilities, right, and innovative leg kicks. So, again, obviously not trying to take credit from the obvious. However, doesn't mean you can't state some facts. Um, and even... Hermanson, speaking of fighters who kind of fall apart, uh, certain athletic matchups, by his own admission, you know, uh, Cannonier was a bad matchup, and uh, you could see that. So, we will see. Uh, we will see. Uh, Whitaker thinks he's going to get the stoppage in the second round. If you think that, you know, you can, you know, play that uh, fight doesn't go the distance, minus 140. You can either use that to hedge or compound a cannon your play or plus money cannon your play if you like the plus 170 cannon pants tko maybe he can uh rip the legs off zarepa but i like uh, robert whitaker he's plus 205 by decision i think he wins by decision i don't know if i'm gonna sprinkle by sprinkle that um <laughs> i think i wrote like juggernaut approach i don't know why i <laughs> compare certain um Certain certain black fighters to the uh, X Men redub of the Juggernaut is that racist? I don't know. I always like every time I see Jerry Cannon here, I just hear like the Juggernaut voice, like "Yeah, baby, no, it's time." <laughs> but maybe it's Crystal time. I don't know, man. Those crystals are crazy. Could give him some superpowers. He can come out here and 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 knock Whitaker done. But it's tough, you know. Like I was talking with uh, my co-host uh, Dan Levy. You know, I do feel like the 
10 rounds with Romero is overblown. Like, how long are we going to hold that over the guy's head? He's 29 years old, God damn it, you know? Um, and what point does it stop being a badge of honor and now it becomes spoiled, uh, spoiled goods or damaged goods label, you know? Like, let's make up our mind, you know? That being said, again, Whitaker could lose here. I just don't feel like that Romero sample size should get the credit. However, speaking of durability... Again, Coach Eric Nixick, who joined us, countered beautifully, both of us, with a fact that I agree on. I think a middle ground that we both agreed on, which was, you know, if we're going to talk about durability, we should talk about going five rounds with Till and turning around this fast. And that is true. Even though I downplayed and, and scored more favorably to Whitaker than maybe some in that fight, um, the fact was that Darren Till hit him with some solid shots that should be respected, right? Um, and they did go five rounds. You can't deny that. So great point on Eric. However, even that has a double-edged sword, right? We can look at it like, oh, we just went five rounds. Or we can look at it to kind of further extinguish in the past that Romero point of, okay, this guy's taking hard shots from southpaws. I Granted, Till is different than Romero, but Till still hits freaking hard. Uh, and he landed good shots, and Whitaker was able to, you know, he would, did get knocked down in the first round, but that was a beautiful, perfect shot that he ran right into. He got right back on the clock and was able to uh, not get rocked or knocked down again. Um, again, it was more cosmetic injury in the fifth with that elbow um, right there. And if we are going to talk about the room, you know, so that, that, that proves, you know, to me that actually proves a lot. I'm glad he got hit was able to take it now. The turnaround point still alive. That's a that's a definite flag that has me worried here. As I admittedly haven't pulled the triggers, you could make a case for either a pick em. Um I will say one aspect, though. A lot of people looking at the late kicks from Cannon here because of what he did to Silva. And although I wasn't trying to unfairly downplay it, I will try to fairly counter it by saying I brought up the points of the Whitaker late kicks, man. Whitaker has made it a point to try to injure the knees of everybody since getting his knee injured. And he's already a hard. He's always been a hard guy to leg kick because his in and out style. That's why you've had to be a precision countering striker like the big athletes. Again, let's talk about Romero or, or the other big athletes that have come his way. Say what you will about the scoring or the scares that happened in those fights. Robert Whitaker had some of his some of his best performances uh, with some highlight reel finishes. You bring in other guys like Derek Brunson who's still showing his medal today and age, right? Um, he's usually done well, in other words, or beat these guys, in other words. The guys he hasn't beaten uh, are guys who are, or the guys that have knocked him out are only two, and those are some of the best precision strikers and credential strikers to ever step foot in the octagon. Much less at welterweight and middleweight, man. Out of signing and Steven Thompson. You know, that's not Cannonier. Again, can Cannonier knock him out? Yes, but not in the fashion those guys did. No, sir. And uh, so he's hard to leg kick. And let's look at the leg kicks received. I found this interesting. Outside of 13 for 16 leg kicks, which Jack Hermanson went on Cannoneer, and Cannoneer only showed to actively check one of those misses, which hopefully for Cannoneer supporters and Cannoneer, that's a trend. But literally, heavyweight, light heavyweight, middleweight, all those other fights, everyone landed either 100% or missed one of the leg kicks they threw. That's a fact. Now, there are some numbers as low as 3 and 6, but some as high as 27 to 16. Still, they either landed every leg kick they thrown at Cannoneer, or they only missed one. And even Hermanson's landing in the 90 percentile range. 
I mean, so now you're going to have Whitaker throwing those as well? You know he's going to be throwing it against a guy coming forward too, like Cannonier already stated he wants to do. So I find that to be interesting. I think the leg kicks are going to be worth looking out for on both sides. I'll take Whitaker if he goes back down to plus money. Uh, I'm going to hit on that. I do feel like it's a, it's a definitely worth uh, pulling the trigger on either man at plus money, though you can make a argument for Pickham. Uh, not sure if I'll sprinkle on the decision prop or not. Next fight, Alexander Volkov, minus 175. Walt, big ticket Harris, plus 155. Uh, you know, I've always been a big fan of Walt Harris. Uh, Southpaw, you don't come across a lot of Southpaws. Volkov's only had one uh, his whole career. Uh, Tim Johnson, who uh, put him on his ass with an uppercut. Um, Eric's trained with, held pads with both guys, Tim Johnson and a uh, Walt Harris. And was just uh, raving about Walt Harris in the gym. I mean, he must be good if guys like, you know, Tyson Fury are flying him out and having him extend his stay. Or Deontay Wilder, of course, with more of a hometown connection there, granted. But does feel my point about heavyweight southpaw, folks. There are few far between, and Walt Harris is a good one. You know, does that mean he's a world champion? Does it mean he's a good grappler? No, I'm not. I've never said any of those things. But always been a supporter of the Walt Harris Southpaw. And how can you not root for Harris? Now, everything he's went through, there's probably some bias in there, which is why I couldn't put him um, as a live dog, even though I believe he's a live dog, even though I'm picking him. And I'll probably lightly sprinkle on him, but it's heavyweight, folks. I believe the right man is favored here in Volkov to frustrate Walt, keep it long. And, you know, he could uh, sting Walt. This could be a guy that, that Volkov knocks out. I've seen Volkov get unfairly criticized for being a soft-handed heavyweight, and I, I think he's a more of a precision guy. Uh, but I do think he can put guys out, and we've seen Walt Harris, you know, get put out by some things, right, in the past. So believe me, I have no disillusions here. I'm definitely not expecting anybody to follow me off this cliff. But uh, I'm going to pick Harris here to get the upset for speed, man. I think uh, – you know, the one thing, the worry is he's been hinting about working on his wrestling. And although that is a way to beat Volkov, um, I do worry about Harris tiring himself out that way. Not because he tired himself out last fight. That's an unfair sample size. We all know what he was going through. He is clearly, not just by his word, but go look at his social media, clearly in better shape here. That being said, you can get more tired, A, grappling, B, fighting a style you're not used to fighting. So that's a big worry here. Still going to pick Harris. Phil Hawes, minus 240. Jacob Malkoon, plus 200. Uh, no clue Jacob Malkoon didn't watch any tape, but I think he's only got like four fights, so I'm going to pick the wrestler Hawes to fulfill some potential, uh, gain some confidence. Um, but it's like every fight, it's like the every fight card, it's like the usual suspects and all the chalk, you know, get in front of us. We've got, uh, you know, they, they all take the turn, you know, going, give me the keys to the car, you motherfucker. Give me the keys to the car, you motherfucker. And you gotta pick, you know, you gotta pick which one's the fake, which 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 chalk is gonna bust. The usual suspects reference there. Um, and that's what it feels like. And Phil Hawes, yeah, at the end of the night, if you tell me Phil Hawes is the uh, parlay buster, like I would not be surprised. That being said, I'm gonna pick Phil Hawes here and I'll probably put him in something degenerate. Uh so uh, good luck to you. All right. Uh again, I didn't tape that fight, if it wasn't clear. Uh, I did surprisingly do some decent tape on this one, and Lilia Shakriova versus uh, uh, plus one seventy five. Shakriova uh, plus one seventy five uh, minus two ten. Lauren Murphy, kind of rubber banding a bit on the line. Um, was gonna go Lauren Murphy 
hands down parlay piece, although she, you know, is right there. She didn't make the cut for the parlay I'm going to give, but she's still right there. Um, but it, it's tricky because you get another. This girl, uh, she's fighting. Shakirova. Shakirova. She reminds me of a Zalga Zimaguov. Um, different countries, I believe, but similar parts of the world. Uh, this girl comes from uh, Uzbekistan, so like Mahmoud Murdov is where, like, her countrymen. But she reminds me of, uh, I think it's a Kazakh fighter, um, Zalga Zimagulov. Um, they both can fight from both stances, uh, although she fights from Southpaw much less than Zalgas. Um, she, uh, she, she can box a bit, but it's pretty basic. Good takedowns, will hustle after it, consistent pace, um, can work against the fence. Uh, can scramble decently, but needs to be controlling and on top for the most part to be doing well. And consistently finds himself in split decisions that, you know, you could argue I think she won the one she lost. But then you could also argue she lost some that she won. So again, back to the Zalgas Zumagulov reference, who's done very similar things. Um, similar to Zalgas, she is also an FNG champ, which looks impressive on paper, but again... You know, you got to be careful. Um, doesn't mean everything. Um, and if you remember, I, I keep referencing Zalgas. I still ended up picking and playing against him despite being undefeated or near undefeated Russian guy, you know, or, or from that region of the world, FNG champ. And uh, I feel the same here with, with Shakirova because Lauren Murphy um, ultimately has a good p pace and pressure. That's one of the things she's, in fact, improved. So she's not going to tire out. She's improved her wrestling. Not to the point where she's not going to give takedowns. I do think she'll give takedowns to this girl. But I do want to see him at face-offs because I feel like this girl is really small. Uh, which wouldn't surprise me because like a lot of fighters from that region, they don't cut weight. They're kind of like the Asians in a lot of those Far East uh, European countries. Um, they don't exactly cut weight, you know? Like, I don't know why I'm going to reference uh, ACB guy, Beslan Esaev. But he's like an underrated welterweight who was like knocking dudes dead and was going to be the shit. And was one of their promoter's favorite dudes. Like, I remember they wanted me to do a breakdown of him, and I wrote up back in the day. You can find somewhere. It's like five years old. But, like, a lot of these guys, I just would learned while researching Bezlan. I'm like, it wasn't uncommon for males and females like that to not just cut a lot of weight for their divisions. So, whereas Lauren Murphy not only is a former Bantam weight, but she's just one of the most physical uh, flyweights there are, hands down. Um, another underrated part that's always been underrated, not just recently improved, but always been underrated is Lauren Murphy's jiu-jitsu, I would say. Um, more so in latter part of her career. Uh, and even in pandemic era, wasn't something that was going to go down because her husband is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt uh, and her coach. And then she's got a really good striking coach who can mimic, uh, you know, she's been in quarantine with and can mimic a bunch of styles. So, like, she seems really set. Like she's not going to have Coach Bob Perez there, uh, which is Derek, the guy in Derek Lewis's corner. But it honestly sounds like the other two co coaches might be more important. So I don't blame people putting Lauren Murphy in a parlay, but we've seen flyweight number one contenders or deserved number one contenders like Murphy is with her win streak lose it at the last second before. So, again, would I be that surprised to find out Lauren Murphy was the parlay buster? No, but for the reasons I just said, as well as one other thing, which is why, uh, again, I will pick and probably end up playing Murphy here in, in another another parlay, perhaps layering the parlay by doing a separate third leg, is uh, Shakirova 
is uh, it is Shakirova. That's funny. Is um, her jujitsu is not great on on top and bottom, especially on bottom. It was really disturbing stuff. Like I could see uh, Lauren Murphy back mounting her for a round in this fight, and then maybe not getting the submission, but just pounding away. Um, so yeah, I'll take Lauren Murphy. <coughs> Next fight. First leg of the parlay. Surprise, surprise. Magomed Ankalaev, a.k.a. Dagestani Stipe, minus 310. Versus Ivan Kutlaba, plus 255. Uh, basically, um, I trust Magomed Ankalaev's uh, Greco accolades by having to win championships in Dagestan over Ivan Kutlaba's Moldovan accolades of claiming to wrestle Greco for 12 years and barely showing 12 seconds of wrestling in four years of UFC fights now, I believe. <laughs> so, <laughs> for that reason, I'm going to take Ankalaev, who I can see finishing things on his gra- on the ground because he's got scary ground and pound. Almost as scary as his team. Sorry. I had to go there. Uh, but speaking of team, he was training over there at Extreme Couture while he was in town, and Old Eric Nixick was was saying Ankalaev was over there taking dudes' heads off in the gym with that same, with similar head kicks that he was hitting on fucking Prakniao and even uh, Dolce La Jambula. Uh, so um, yeah, the line keeps opening wider every time this fight gets rebooked for a reason. I think it actually happens this time. Uh, give me Ankalaev. I think he, you know, I think you know the under will probably hit too. What is the under listed at? Under one and a half plus one hundred. Jesus Christ, can I play that? Let's look for the under. Do they offer it on my bookie? My bookie, would you like to offer me some? No, you guys. Oh, well, you guys can, but it, the line sucks. Minus 105 here. Plus 100 in other places. Yeah, I think that under hits at minus one, uh, one and a half. Um, if you so please. But I took him as a leg in the parlay. Something later. Dead even. Stefan Strew, minus 210, who originally opened as, was it a minus 145, favorite, minus 130 favorite, over Tai Tuivasa when he came in on him. Uh, I actually picked Ty and as an underdog. I'm like, fuck it. Even though I like Stefan Struve and I have rightfully faded Ty before it became uh, apparently obese. But and there's no diss on Ty, believe me. I love his personality. Love my Australian brothers and sisters. Uh, love his story. Um, but then I picked him on the verbal tap cast and, and, and I, uh, I, 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 for whatever reason, I thought I was only to make main bank card picks, not prelim picks. So I was like giving like, the whole card picks on a Sunday when I wasn't researched, which is a real bad idea for Dan Tom and his process. So I gotta be careful uh, about uh, doing that in the future. Um, and as I, even I was joking, even on the show, I was like. Don't feel bad for picking uh, against me there, Keith, because like I'm looking now after I locked in my Taito Ivasa play. I'm like, this guy got subbed by a uh, noted fishing hole uh, <laughs> fishing hole fighter, uh, Sergey Spivak. Um, so that was very disturbing. So I'm going to tell my, my man Stefan Struve ain't going to find a way to submit him. Stefan Struve seems determined of that's what he wants to do. But, you know, Taito Ivasa, even though he didn't get to finish his camp at AKA since the pandemic hit, he still looks determined and motivated because he looks like in the best shape ever. So let's see. I stuck with Ty. I'm going to live and die with that. Money seems to be f- following there and coming in on him. But uh, 
I'd still be careful about playing this. I'm staying away. Good luck if you played it. I'll stick with Taito Ivaso reluctantly. I'll feel good if Stefan Struve can win, though. Second leg of the parlay. Casey Kenny minus 170. Comeback on Nathaniel Wood, plus 150. Now my editors, whether they see in my show or anyone listening to this show, are like, what the heck? Because I was really high with everybody else in the show, with Casey Kenny for reasons I'll, I'll talk about in a second. But I kind of just, or again, I... This week's been so fucking crazy. I had a bunch of like last minute assignments dropped on me, plus, you know, my dog surgery. Thank you guys for reaching out, by the way. Y'all were too kind. Um, but that's just between not taking breaks and working and ignoring my own health and just realizing I've been a bad dog, dog, dog dad was really getting to me. And uh, if any of this stuff uh, was cancerous with old Benjamin, uh, not going to forgive myself for getting lost in this stupid schedule. Because uh, there's more important things than work, people. So anyways, I don't know how I got off that side tangent. But yeah, I, it's been a crazy week for your boy here. So I was kind of going off of a lot of memory and recency bias. And I was like, oh yeah, the only time Nathaniel Wood has fought a South Boy, he lost in John Dotson, which that, that does actually hold a lot of water, that matchup. However, my dumbass forgot that Andre Wool was a South Paw, forgot that Teco Quinones, the fight switch dance, primarily fought him South Paw. And... John Castaneda, although he shifts and will fight off both stents, primarily fought him out of Southpaw. And Nathaniel Wood, to his own admission, likes facing Southpaws because he's faced so many Southpaws. So Dan Thomas is eating shit as he was uh, recapping, uh, rewatching uh, some Nathaniel Wood footage, going, What the fuck have I done? This Nathaniel Wood guy's pretty good. Holy crap. Maybe he, he's going to beat Kenny. What have I done? I'm on the wrong side. I just misled everybody. They're going to write about the matchup now. And and then I, and I forget how it came up, but I'm like, oh, God, I'm so wrong. And they're like, what, what are you wrong on? I'm like, well, I don't know if I'm wrong, but I'm just not as confident in Kenny as I initially was. Well, I went through back and rewatched Kenny, and we haven't got to see him in striking matchups, so no wonder why the striking surprised us. Now, Luis Smoker was hitting to the body a lot, but Luis Smoker has been – Quietly making a lot of improvements behind the scene, has shown body work in previous fights, uh, and is much longer than Nathaniel Wood. Though Nathaniel Wood's long arms and hooks will be dangerous in this fight. Don't get it twisted. Watch out for Nathaniel Wood's left hook. Um, that being said, it wasn't enough to worry me about Kenny. Um, and Kenny was still able to submit him with a gnarly guillotine and remind me of why he calls himself a world cat class grappler, why he should dictate and win any of the grappling exchanges um, with that. But uh, whether it was Castaneda, fights he won recently, uh, way past fights like Ull, or fights that he lost like Dotson, none of these guys were doing southpaw double attacks or body kicks, hard tie kicks, much less hard tie kicks to the head and body like Casey Kenny was mixing up. And you can, you know, shit on Holly Alatang, like, oh, he's a Chinese fighter or whatever, but like, you know, Dude's one of the more athletic and more wrestling-based fighters and hard-hitting, durable dudes, as we saw to come out of that scene, uh, who he who needed to respect, and Kenny did. He just kept beating the crap out of him. Um, so I would worry about the turnaround in that sense, but K Casey Kenny had, like, terrible adjustment periods, came out and fought in the middle of the night there, right? Uh, whereas this fight, this trip around, he adjusted on the first day by his own admission, and... He doesn't even have to do that much adjusting anyways because they're fighting at a normal time over there. So, like, he's already on schedule. 
So as long as he's healthy, as he says he's Wolverine, I think he gets this because Nathaniel Wood, as slick, as well-rounded, as much credit he should be given. I love Bad Pickett. Underrated wrestler, Bad Pickett. Wood's got good submissions. Some decent wrestling himself. However, I think he depends on having that wrestling grappling submission threat in his back pocket, plying and flowing, or being able to ply it to make his power and game overall flow and work. That well-rounded game of wood, right? I think he needs that takedown there. And when he doesn't have that, again, go look at John Dotson, not just a southpaw who can pop, but some wrestling so he could counter-wrestle, right? And scramble. Wood was forced to do what? Strike in a way that didn't behoove him. Now, I would like to believe Wood when he says he's learned from that lesson. However, that doesn't mean he's going to be dictating the fight. Doesn't mean He definitely doesn't mean he's going to be winning uh, grappling exchanges, even if he can't avoid the counters or the onslaught of Kenny. So, sorry for the emotional uh, circle, folks. But yeah, I came back around, sticking with my gut where it was right, because my gut wasn't that wrong. It was only half wrong last week. Hopefully it's not half wrong this week. And uh, we get Kenny right, because if you pair Kenny with Ankalaev, it's like a plus money for you. And I went big on that already. So that was another reason I was stressing, because I already bet <laughs> bet it. So I did put my money where my mouth is, folks, for what that's worth. All right. Oh. Alex Oliveira initially opened as the favorite, but now it's practically a pick as he went to dog money. People, I don't want to say smartly jumped on Alex Oliveira because I'm not picking him here, spoiler alert. But uh, Alex Oliveira back up to minus 105. This fight's probably going to stay contentious at probably around minus 110. As Shaved Cat Rakimov, uh, minus 115. Uh, Shaved Cat opened it, plus money. But you know what? I don't know, man. It's hard to tell, right? Because you can get like these, I was just saying with the Zalgas Sumagulovs of the world or the Lilia Shekirovas, um, they can be good, but not as good as you think. That could certainly be the case here, folks. But I do think that um, Shavecat Rakimov is uh, going to be uh, good enough to win this fight. Um, this guy's uh, got some accolades in Sambo, Master of Sports in Sambo, um, as well as MMA. Really strong in the clinch, which he's going to need against Alex Oliveira. And that's kind of what worries me in this fight. But... If he does get it to the ground, which he's shown other forms to get to the ground as well, um, he's going to have a, a real clear edge. This guy's got ridiculously good ground and pound. Active. We'll just beat guys up, man. Um, we'll float positions wisely and smartly. I really like what I see in that regard. Um, seems pretty tight and confident on the feet. Um, gets to where he wants to. He hasn't been to a third round, which is worrisome. However... Oliveira's only been to like a you know decision like five times I think in um, thirty plus fights so uh, you know he, he looked good in his last fight but you know is Sabata who fights every two years and is now on the older side of things you know how much of it was that at that or the fact that that Kyle Noak finish wasn't so fluky at all that Sabata maybe is really weak to the body because that front kick. Just fucked him up from Jump Street, and he was never really able to get off from there. He tried three takedowns and failed on him, and Alex Oliveira, his defense looks like he's been staying active and working on those parts of his game, and you know he's always been strong in the clinch, so he's able to defend. If he's able to defend here, then it's trouble for Rakimov. We could see an opportunistic knockout. However, I think that Rakimov still, um, you could argue that he... <laughs> 
Well, depends what you say moves better. I mean, are we talking about moves better as far as, you know, impregnating a bunch of ladies on the same street or, you know, moves better from a fundamental standpoint? From a fundamental standpoint, I really like what I'm seeing from Shave Cat. Um, so I think he can win the decision. I think on the ground he can win by TKO or submission, uh, which might mean even though Alex Oliveira is more experienced and is coming off a decision win, it could be primarily KO or bust. Um, so if you were able to get Shavecat at underdog odds, I don't pl- blame you for playing against Alex Oliveira there, but be, be careful playing against Alex Oliveira. I'm going to pick Shavecat, but uh, I haven't played him. I don't think I'm going to play him because I'm scared to fade him in this spot, but I do like what I like from Shavecat, so we'll see what he got. Um, good luck to you if you got plus money on either side. Sam Alvey, plus 270, Da Unjung, minus 330. Uh, I'm going to go with Da Unjung here. Um but this is definitely a fight. Da Jung and Phil Hawes definitely could be the parlay busters in my mind. Um, are probably most likely. Like I could totally see Sam Alvey doing a season for Hater repeat. Um, we'll see. It's just it, you know you've been burned by Sam. It's nothing personal. Sam has been on this podcast. I feel like a dick every time I pick against him. It's nothing personal. But uh, you got to put your biases aside. And uh, and I am you know giving him credit as value. Here, as far as a better goes, but also as a betting analyst, uh, the the pick is Jung. Moving on, Miranda Maverick, who seems like she could be that way, minus 380 against Liana Jojua, plus 315. Maverick opened at minus 140. I think she's the deserved favorite. I feel like minus 140 is much more down to earth. Uh, that being said, I do think money is coming in on Maverick for a reason. Now, I picked, played, and cashed on Jojua last time, who won by submission. However... She seems like she's an armbar or bust kind of girl. And against a wrestler who's experienced in grappling, and even uh, my dude, if I can call him that now, after we podcasted together, 10th Planet back, Black Belt Keith Kerkorian, is familiar with Miranda and the people she trains with and had good things to say. So I don't think that armbar hits. And when you miss an armbar, then next thing you know, you're turtled and you're giving your back and Miranda's going to work you over for the round or get a finish. So I will take Miranda Maverick. Probably be putting in her in a parlay. Um, you know, knock on wood, you know, I guess would I be that surprised to see a, a debutante in this division be the parlay buster? Uh, you know, yeah, I guess I can't say I would be surprised, right? However, I'm going to jump off that cliff, and I'll probably be throwing her in a parlay. Make of that what you will. Yuel Alvarez, minus 160. Alexander Yakovlev, plus 140. I didn't put this on the avoid list because, like, it's playable from both sides as far as points of entry go, especially compared to the chalk that you're asking to take or have faith in, like I just foolishly did in the last fight, right? Um, So I'm not going to go and say this is an avoid fight. I am going to pick UL Alvarez. However, I'm not going to play him. Um, Yukovlev can be crafty on the ground, a crafty grappler, but then again, UL Alvarez, say what you will about him, is unproven sample size or the scene that he comes from. So we've seen from both his record to what he is doing against higher-level guys. Granted, say what you will about Duffy on his way out. Uh, and I like Joe Duffy, by the way. That wasn't a knock on him. But yes, Yoel Alvarez, uh, submission savvy. Usually when they're good at submissions, they're hard to submit. So uh, unless Yakov Lev gets a shifting KO, like he busted off again, like back in the Dizze now, right? <laughs> against, uh, what was his name? Uh George Sullivan, New Jersey, uh, then uh, Yoel Alvarez should win this. So good luck if you play Alvarez. All right. How did we do on time, Dan? How did we? 103. Damn it, we did just over an hour. 
God damn it. It was kind of a long card. All right, let's recap from top to bottom. Taking Nurmagomedov over Gaethje. Taking Whitaker over Kenanier. Taking Harris over Volkov. Taking Haas over Malkoon. Taking Shakido. No, taking Murphy over Shakidova. Taking Ankalaev. Dagestani Stipe over Cute Laba. Taking Tuivasa over Struve. Reluctantly taking. Oh my god. Hopefully they didn't kill Kenny over Nathaniel Wood. Taking. Shaved Cat Rachmanov over uh, Alex Cowboy Oliveira. Taking Don Jung over Alvi. Taking Miranda Maverick over Jojua. Taking Alvarez over Yakovlev. Uh, I parlayed Kenny and Ankalev together at plus 107. That's my only official play. Nothing on the avoid list. Um, good luck to you on whatever you played. Apologies. Thanks for dealing with me this week. Zaleta releases in the expedited air quote edition. Uh, if it's not too much, please support me through MixedMarshallAnalyst.com to help keep this free. Uh, Amazon and Onnit click-throughs are there to no cost of you. You can help support this podcast. As well as five-star ratings reviews on Apple Podcasts. Very helpful. Uh, YouTube, subscribe. Like this video. Please subscribe to the channel, Daniel, Tom, and me. Share it. Help me out. It's fucking miserable. I'm a terrible salesman, and I suck, I know, but any help would be a preach. Or if you really want to go above and beyond, uh, you know, uh, you're feeling generous from bet, or you just want to help support the show, that is free. You can go to mixedmarshallinos.com, click the PayPal link. Um, all legit, verified through there. So thank you very much. Good luck on your picks and plays, and always protect your necks.